Hi, everyone. Welcome to our podcast, where you will find messages from various speakers here at Eastgate House of Prayer Mission Base, both a house of prayer and a praying church. We pray that you are blessed through this message and that a greater measure of truth is revealed to you as you listen. Good morning. How's everybody doing today? (laughs) So first of all, did everyone get one of these? You should have had one on your seat. If you didn't get one, put your hand up and someone will come bring one to you. Everybody has one? Bob is missing one. Chantal doesn't have one. Just keep your hand up and Molly will bring one to you, my beautiful wife. Yeah, we love Molly. Um, Okay, so first of all, I guess I should tell you guys what we're going to be talking about today. Um, So today we're going to be talking about Israel and why we should care about Israel. Um, This is something that has been super... The Lord has been impacting my heart for real for the last uh, six months, like super intentionally. And the last like year and a half, I've wanted to care about Israel. Like a year and a half ago when I first, well, two and a half years ago when I first landed here, um, everyone was praying for Israel and everyone was talking about Israel. And I was like, why? I don't understand. I don't get it. Um, You know, I wanted to, but I didn't. And then... Uh, a year and a half ago, I really intentionally tried to start caring, but it was all in my own strength, and we know how that goes. Um, so then I kind of forgot about it, but then six months ago, I, um, it was a young adult's night, and Molly um, did her thing, and she felt like the Lord was saying that he wanted to mark people for specific nations, and told us to close our eyes and then I was there I was like okay Lord I'm ready I want you to show me something and then he showed me Israel and I just started weeping and I had no idea why I was like I I care I I love this nation I I want to know what the people eat I want to know what they pray before they go to sleep I want to know how they function I want to know everything about this land that I've never been to and I was like, God, I, I don't get it. But, but ever since then, every time I think about Israel, I weep. I just start weeping. And, and it's, it's, it's so foreign to me to be weeping over this thing that I, I, I really don't know that much about Israel. I, I, I'm starting to learn more about it, but, and I, I want to know more about it, but it's so crazy the way that the Lord has has impacted my heart and even now it's like oh (laughs) I just (sighs) warning you I might start crying um okay so um yes you guys got the handout um we're not going to be covering every single scripture that's on there this is more so just for a reference um we are going to be covering most of the scriptures in Romans 11 but then on the back It's mainly just reference point for you guys. Um, I wanted to mention, too, that the content that I'm going over today can be somewhat controversial. You know, there's a lot of people that have different views on 
the nation of Israel, even within the church. Um, so I'm going to be doing my best to dive deep into what the scriptures say and to not add my own personal bias. Um, and if you don't agree with what I'm saying, then that's totally okay. You know, I, I respect your ability to read the scriptures for yourself and to dive deep into what the Lord is saying for yourself. Like, I don't want you guys to just adopt my belief because I'm standing here and I'm at the front or whatever. Like, I, I want you guys to really go deep into this for yourselves and allow the Lord to impact your heart and not just feed off of what he's done in my heart. Um, yeah. So, uh, okay. Um, so we're going to be going into Romans chapter 11. So that's on page one of your handout. Um, if you guys want to use your own Bible, then feel free to do that. I just had this because this is the translation that I'm using, and I know how frustrating it can be to be reading out of a different translation, and I want you guys to be all on the same page. Um, so first of all, I just wanted to briefly mention something that um, a good chunk of the church has adopted as doctrine, and that is replacement theology or supersessionism. So some of you guys may have heard of this. Some of you guys may believe this. Some of you guys may have never heard of this. Um, it's basically just a fancy term for the church has replaced Israel as God's chosen people. And I'm not really going to be covering anything more than that. I just wanted you guys to have that in the back of your minds because I'm going to be revisiting it at the end of today. So we will be starting in verse one of paragraph A of your handout. Paul here is addressing the church in Rome, and he says, I say then, has God rejected and disowned his people? Certainly not, for I too am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. So this to me, just like, the first time I read this, it was just like, ah, what even is this? And it was just crazy to me because... Um, it was debated in the early church whether Jews replaced Gentiles and whether, I mean, whether Gentiles replaced Jews. Um, and what I mean by Gentiles is just anyone that's not a Jew. And um, whether or not God rejected his chosen people. And this question has actually been answered here with certainly not. Um, Paul himself was a Jew and yet he was marked to preach to the Gentiles, which is just crazy to me. Um, we'll go on to read in verse 2. God has not rejected his chosen people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel? So here we see that Paul actually repeated himself um, by saying God has not rejected his chosen people. I mean, I, I don't really know much about scripture, but I do know that when it repeats something in a very short amount of time. It's something to pay attention to. Um, we'll go on in verse 3. Um, Lord, they have killed your prophets. They have torn down your altars. This is Elijah speaking. And I alone am left of the prophets, and they are seeking my life. But what is God's response to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too then, at the present time, there has come to be a remnant according to God's gracious choice. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. 
Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. So from these verses, it's super important to note that there is a small believing remnant in Israel that has been chosen by God. So this means that there is a small portion of Jewish people that accept Jesus as the Messiah. And we know today it's, that number is growing and growing and growing and growing, which is so cool. So it's also important to note in verse 6 that Jews are saved through the same way that we as Gentiles are saved. Like they aren't saved through the Mosaic law anymore. And what I mean by that is the law that was given to Moses on Mount Sinai. They aren't saved any longer through that. They are saved through the same way that we are saved. They are no longer made right with God through the law, but they are reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So if you turn to page two, paragraph B at the top, we're going to read Galatians 3, 28 to 29, which says, there is now no distinction, neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you who believe are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants and heirs according to God's promise. So we actually get to share in the promises that the Lord gave to the Jewish people. We don't get our own set of new promises. We get to share, step in, graft it in. As children, as sons and daughters, we get to share in the promises that the Lord gave to the Jewish people. They don't get their promises and we get our promises. We are made one with the Jewish people. It's kind of like when a man and a woman come together in marriage. They're a man and a woman, and they come together as one. They still have individual promises given to them from the Lord. They still have individual callings. They still have, the Lord has individual purposes for each one. They complement each other, and yet the Lord sees them as one. Jews and Gentiles are one, and yet the Lord has individual plans for each that bring fullness and togetherness. In the same way, the Lord gives us the same promises that he gave to Israel. So mind-blowing. So go back to page one, paragraph B. Paul says, So I say, have they stumbled so as to fall to spiritual ruin? Certainly not, but by their transgression, their rejection of the Messiah, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel jealous when they realize what they have forfeited. Skip down to paragraph E in verse 25. I do not want you believers to be unaware of this mystery so that you will not be wise in your own opinion, that a partial hardening has temporarily happened to Israel to last until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And so at that time, all Israel will be saved, just as it is written in Scripture. The Deliverer will come from Zion, a.k.a. Jerusalem. He will remove ungodliness from Jacob, a.k.a. Israel. This is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. So we see through these portions of Scripture the plan that the Lord has for all Israel to be saved. 
The beautiful thing is that you and I are actually incorporated into that plan. That, that is so like me? I'm incorporated into your plan, God? For your chosen nation, Israel, to be saved? Me, a Gentile, one that had no heritage in you before I came to know you. He decided, our loving Father decided to place you and I in the plan concerning the redemption of the entire nation of Israel. Because we see in verse 11 that salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel jealous. This is just another reason why it's so important for the gospel to go forth throughout the nations of the earth. Because when it actually happens that the full number of the Gentiles has come in, it is at that point that all Israel will be saved. Now, we don't know what the full number of the Gentiles is. Um, That's not said here, but yeah. (laughs) Paragraph C. Now, if Israel's transgression means riches for the world at large, and their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their fulfillment and reinstatement be? But now I am speaking to you who are Gentiles. Inasmuch then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry in the hope of somehow making my fellow countrymen jealous and perhaps save some of them. For if their present rejection of salvation is for the reconciliation of the world to God, what will their acceptance of salvation be but nothing less than life from the dead? So this shows us that the glorious promise, this shows us the glorious promise that is yet to be fulfilled. I don't know about you, but it stirs my heart to a great deal of excitement and joy to know that the acceptance of Jesus by the Jewish people will be glorious. That if their rejection has led to our salvation, that their acceptance, what could it be? Like, how glorious will that be? It's not because I'm glorifying the Jewish people, but simply because of the fact that that as they've rejected the Messiah, This led the world to be reconciled to God. And so we can't even imagine what will come out of them accepting the Jewish God-man Christ Jesus as their king. Paragraph D. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you Gentiles, being like a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among them to share with them, the rich root of the olive tree. Do not boast over the broken branches and exalt yourself at their expense. If you do boast and feel superior, remember that it is not you who supports the root, but the root that supports you. So I just want to hone in on this term, grafted in. What does it mean that we've been grafted in? Paul talks about how we've been grafted in among the Israelites to share with them the rich root of the olive tree. The root that is referred to here is actually Abraham and the patriarchs or the fathers of Israel. This even comes back to what I said concerning 
Galatians 3, 28 and 29, how we actually share in the promises that have been given to the Jewish people, how we have been grafted in as one. We come alongside them and we are made one through Christ. The key thing that I really want to be taken away from this portion is that we've been grafted in among what was already established with the Jewish people. Like that, that term, grafted in, if, the, if you can take anything away from today, that's what I want you to take away is grafted in. Dive deep. What does it mean to be grafted in? What does it mean to be made one? What does it mean to share in the promises, to walk Along the Jewish, alongside the Jewish people and to actually step into what has already been established for thousands of years with them or between them and God. Jesus didn't come so that we could forget the promises that he made to the Jewish people, but he came that these promises would be accept, accessible to you and I. He came that every nation, every tribe, every tongue would be able to share with them the promises that every nation would be able to access the Father through him. He didn't come that they would no longer be relevant, but that all people would be relevant. He didn't come to negate the scriptures in Psalm 122 that says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. In Isaiah chapter 62 that says, I have established watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem, who will not be silent day or night until Jerusalem is established as a praise in the earth. He came that the Gentiles could be established as watchmen that you and I could pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So now I'm gonna shift into something a little different. Um, on the back of your handout, there's some scriptures. We're not gonna go through them, but they're, they're just there for your reference um, pertaining to the end times. Um, this is gonna be super quick, um, but I've been, I've been studying the end times now for a few months and, and I, it's not a long time, but it's just been crazy. Like so crazy. You guys, if, if you have never studied the end times, do it because it's like, I used to be terrified for Jesus to come back. Like I was so scared. I was like, don't come back because it's going to be hell on earth and it's going to be awful. But I'm learning that it's going to be glorious. Like, it's going to be so good, you guys. Like, his second coming is, oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, okay, back on track. Um, so yeah, we see it time and time again throughout scripture that whenever the end times are mentioned, there's something related to Zion or to Jerusalem or to Jacob or Israel or some other name to designate Israel as a whole. Um, you know, it's mentioned that at the second coming of Christ, God will establish his throne to rule and reign forever. Where? In Jerusalem. 
Okay, so the first thing concerning the end times in Israel is that Jerusalem is unique. Um, it's the only city um, that's explicitly named and in the scriptures as being the city of the great king, as being the city where Jesus will establish his rule and reign forever, his resting place forever. Um, scripture tells us that Jerusalem shall be called the throne of the Lord and that all nations will gather to it. And th this is all in the scriptures on the backside of your handout. Secondly, I want to mention that in Isaiah chapter 2, Scripture tells us that in the last days, all nations shall flow to the city of Jerusalem, and that many people shall say, Come and let us go up to the house of the God of Jacob. From this chapter of Scripture, we can see that the word of the Lord will go forth from the city of Jerusalem. This will be the teaching center of the earth. All nations will flow to it to learn the ways of the Lord. Third, in Revelation chapter 21, we see that there will be a new heaven, a new earth, and a new Jerusalem. We see through this, yeah, 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 the new heaven, the new earth, and the new Jerusalem. Um, but then, to me, if the Lord explicitly mentions that there will be a new Jerusalem, that city must be really near and dear to his heart. So that's all I'm going to cover about the end times. Um, I, I, I want to go more in depth, but that's, not, that's for another day. Um, if you want to learn more, um, Mike Bickle has tons of teachings on this. Um, it's, yeah, I, I really encourage you to dive into this. It, it's crazy. Um, a few things I am not saying. Um, I just feel it's important to say that. Um, I, I really feel that it's important to say that I'm not saying that the Jews are more important than Gentiles in the eyes of the Lord. I'm not saying that the Jewish people can be saved through works of the Mosaic Covenant. I'm not saying that we are to exalt or to idolize the Jewish people. I'm simply saying that we need to be aware of the Lord's plans. I'm not saying that in the last days people will not be able to worship the Lord in places other than Jerusalem or that people will not be able to learn in other places than Jerusalem. Because scripture is clear that the true worshipers will arise and they will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. This just means that it doesn't matter where you are, you will worship the Father. Jerusalem is unique in what the Lord uses it for, as is Canada, as are you and I. He has a plan concerning Israel, and it is important to be aware of these plans. It's just like he has a plan for you and I. We want to be aware of this so we can actually partner with him instead of leaving him high and dry. Um, now, lastly, um, as promised, I mentioned replacement theology briefly at the beginning of today, and I'm just going to touch on it really quick, not going to go in depth again. Um, 
Well, Galatians 3 verses 28 to 29 are very clear that there is no longer Jew nor Gentile in Christ Jesus. This doesn't negate the fact that Jesus came first for the Jew and then for the Gentile according to Romans chapter 1 verse 16. Paul doesn't contradict himself. We cannot ignore the fact that the original promises were made to the Jewish people. The original promises came through God to Abraham and that Jesus will establish his throne to rule and reign forever out of Zion or out of Jerusalem. Zion is just another name for Jerusalem. God was very clear to Abraham in the book of Genesis that he will bless those who bless him and his descendants and he will curse those who curse him and his descendants. I don't know about you, but I want to be on the train of blessing. So I'm, 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 I'm going to bless Abraham and his descendants. I'm going to bless Israel. Um, so that is why next weekend, my beautiful wife, Molly, and I, but primar- primarily Molly, are organizing 24 hours of nonstop worship and prayer for the nation of Israel. Um, but before we talk about that, I just want to do a quick recap of today. One, we've been grafted into the original promises given to the Jewish people. Two, there is a partial blindness placed on Israel until the full number of Gentiles come in. Three, Israel is very important in the end times. And four, simply put, we care about Israel because God cares about Israel. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. To find more teaching resources or to join us via live stream, visit our website at eastgatehouseofprayer.ca.